the moment where chaos is most needed, and we instead get the most bland, boring, yet dominant competitor of her era. Casey is here. Plus, a Kyle sighting. Everyone's playing scared. Kylan gets smacked with a chain. Ed receives a bribe. Mariah is confusing me. And Melissa gets pushed over the edge with Raven, unfortunately, being on the receiving end of that fall. It's the challenge. Battle for a new champion. Episode 8 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in The Challenge Universe. We are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me on this Thursday morning. We're coming to you the morning after the episode airs, a bit later than usual. To fill you in, last night, about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm finishing up work. I'm gearing up for hopefully a great episode of The Challenge. And our little puppy, Bodie Bear, gets, he's he's looking a little sickly. He's not looking the best. And uh, we decide we have to take him to the vet. We call the vet. Guess what? They've got a seven o'clock appointment. Guess what time the challenge starts here in central time zone? Seven o'clock. So uh, we were taking care of the little guy. Thankfully, we'll report Bodie feeling great. The meds are already working. They're magic, a little allergic reaction, something of that nature. We're not exactly sure what happened. We just know he's getting better. He's feeling better and that I didn't get home to be able to watch the show then until about 9.15 or so. And then by the time it was over, it was just looking like bed sounded a lot better. It's been a busy week around Challenge Historian HQ here. So uh, we hit the hay. We're up early. We're going to get this episode out for you. Obviously, we are here for BFANG episode number eight. Quick programming reminders, and we'll dive right into the episode. I know, you know, you're already like, hey, you're coming to us a few hours late. You might as well get to the show. I know, I know, I know. So quick programming reminders, BFANG every, hopefully every Wednesday night, Thursday morning, worst case for the rest of the season. Holiday schedule doesn't seem like it's going to impact this at all or being able to record for the season that I guess is just going to roll right on into the new year and a long time to come. This this We might be talking about BFANG come next Christmas and holiday season. Okay, that's that's what it's kind of looking like right now. Survivor, we were back the with last week's episode. We had missed one uh, two weeks ago. Tony and I, that was on me, as I have said repeatedly. So uh, all all upset folks can point their anger towards me and not Tony. But we were back next week or last week, and we will be back this week. I think we're going to try to schedule or record on Saturday evening right now. So you can look for that uh, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, uh, and finish out your weekend with a little Survivor recap. Other than that, agenda for this podcast, same as usual. I will say with this episode, you know, there were some boring elements to this episode as far as the strategy goes. So this recap may may include a few more high-level thoughts than normal versus the nitty-gritty detailed run-through of the episode, but there's still plenty to talk about. There was plenty that piqued my interest or piqued the historian brain in me, so lots to discuss. Let's dive in. BFANG episode 8, here we go. We start with the opening house segment, as we always do, as the show always does, and unfortunately, this one, not all that entertaining, gotta say. Um, Jay 
was at least the only person. And sadly, I thought it was a signal of where the episode direction was going to go, that they were going to maybe start playing a little smarter and a little less scared and boring. And, you know, we get this moment with Jay being the one of his little group of, I don't even know who all was sitting there at the time. He's thinking smart. The rest of that group is not, you know, Emmanuel just wants revenge. He wants big T and eventually Kylan. Michelle is too sad to think straight in this opening moments. Asaf and Olivia want Melissa over big T, but still ultimately want the two of them. Jay's the only one who's like, Hey, would anyone like to, you know, Zara's not in our alliance and she's the best runner here. That's at least, you know, something different, something that makes a little more sense competitively. And uh, no one, no one's hearing any of that. And unfortunately, we hear none of that the rest of the entire episode. So a uh, little misleading open there. Big T calls Kyle. That's fun. Fun to see Kyle. Fun to see little baby crew. So enjoyed that. Um, but nothing, you know, super interesting or exciting comes of that other than just Big T and Kyle are enjoyable folks to spend some time with. So it was an enjoyable little call and segment of the show. And then the final thing we see is Raven and Zara vibing clearly. And this, this will come up later, more later. We're obviously going to talk about Raven a bit later as she's a part of the, probably the biggest part of the episode, but this little moment between her and Zara is the third or fourth time this season that we've seen her in one-on-one -on -one scenarios with people seems just super cool, lovely, enjoyable to be around. Very, everyone likes her. <laughs> and, uh, but then, you know, somehow in the group setting, she's kind of always the one that's pointed to as either has done something wrong or is like the pariah in some way or something or other. I don't know. I like Raven and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Then we get to the daily challenge, the one that was uh, alluded to in the last week's next week on where we were like, wait, there's going to be a tug of war over chains. That seems really dangerous. Um, it does turn out to be a little bit dangerous, um, but it wasn't quite just a tug of war over chains and no one was actually chained together. So uh, it wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be, but what it was, was an absolutely fantastic daily challenge, fantastic game. This concept obviously used a lot in the world of the challenge, most notably and over and over with not so fast this is not not so fast the way you know kyland is like i have a little experience with this adjacent certainly certainly similar strategy obviously the same structure of the game of make a big mess and then go you know replace each other and see who can get the mess undone the quickest but uh, it is exactly the same as the concept that Jay and CT did on Total Madness, which we then you know get to hear about quite a lot. That's not Jay's fault. That's you know producers continue to ask him, get as many sound bites about that as possible, and then using them uh, four or five times. I think that they use them, so that's not on Jay. Anyone that you know was like me, my initial feeling is like Jay. You can okay, we get it. You beat CT the one time. We know. Couple references are well deserved. Well deserved. You beat CT for crying out loud. We we could probably calm down once we get to the fourth or the fifth reference. But again, that's not on him. That's that's the producers and the editors doing that. I still want them to draft teams. Uh, that's one of the few things I didn't. You know, I love the setup of the game. I love the game in general. I'm down for the team. I actually like teams a decent amount in the individual seasons. Um, I'm okay with it with this many people left. You know, half of them being safe, especially in this season where they're not. 100% safe. They could still, you know, the chaos could be pulled in the arena. I still want them to draft teams, though. I know that takes up a bunch of camera time, which probably cuts something else that I would like to see in the episode. But I just think it's more interesting, especially with this huge alliance that couldn't like all be on one team. And there would be some wrinkles of who do we pick? Where do we station people? Whatnot. So uh, I, I would like to see that. It's a women's day. So 
if, if you're not going to let them pick teams and it's just going to be quote unquote random production, you know, putting them together, don't put big team Melissa on the same team. Now, if you don't put them on the same team, does that then guarantee, Hey, this is the way the house is going. If they're not on the same team, one of them guaranteed is up for elimination and that person is going to be picked. Yeah, uh, that is true. And if you put them on the same team, if they win, obviously they're both safe. And that would have been probably the best case scenario for drama and interesting strategy having to take place in this episode. But uh, I just think split them up. If you're, if you're picking the teams behind the scenes, anyways, split them up. And then the contest itself, winning the chains was kind of the deciding factor. Jay was correct in the end. I think of like the chains are going to take a bit longer to take apart regardless of not quality than the ropes will. I actually wish and it you know, was it interesting to see the big fight over the chains? Yes, you know, that's compelling. It looked it scared the hell out of me. I thought someone was going to get a lot more hurt than, you know, ultimately Kylan does get hurt uh, eventually. But um, I would have kind of liked them as interesting as it is fighting over the resources and like, what are you going to value the highest to go get? I kind of wish that they would have each had their own piles that were completely the same and they had the same resources to work with. And I'm kind of more interested in that mental puzzle than I am in the like fighting for the resources, but that's probably a little, you know, they don't get the, the, the tug of war over a chain between both teams, uh, which is probably the most compelling visual footage they have of this daily challenge. So I think they probably went the right direction. I was just kind of leaning towards my interest lie in the other, where they both have the same materials to work with and how they use them is the deciding factor. We get two leaders on these teams. Jay takes the lead on one side. Kylan takes the lead on the other, but they take the lead for very different reasons. Jay takes the lead. Yes, they both are the ones that are, we're told, you know, have experience with something related to this, but that's once they take the leadership role, that's an easy thing to put in via confessional, which is what they do and build the story a little more. Jay takes the lead, though, because he is comfortable. Kylan takes the lead because he is not comfortable. Jay takes the lead because he knows if we lose, I'm not in trouble. My, my, my group's got me. I'm as solid as solid can be in this game. No matter what, I can take this risk. There isn't a risk for me. There's only possibly reward. Kylan, on the other hand, is taking this to try to gain some power, gain some respect. He's like, the risk is there, but that risk already exists for me. I'm already probably if my team loses on the bottom, so I might as well take this a little bit to my old hands. And hopefully maybe if we win, bring some little bit of power, some respect, some stronger ties to my side. So very, very different moves and decisions here for Jay and Kylan taking the lead. Kylan ultimately, you know, they barely lose. This is a very close in the end, but it does seem like Kylan. I don't, I know it's what they make it look like. And maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's partially true. I think it's at least mostly true. He took a long time on the ropes and kind of was the only one working on like, you guys just bring all the stuff over and all kind of do some stuff over here. And it seemed like he overthought it just a little bit. And that little bit of overthinking and time is kind of what costs them in the end. So the orange team wins. And with them winning and Big T and Melissa being on the losing team and TJ announces it is, in fact, a women's day, we officially know where the rest of the episode is headed. Now, let's talk about the house in the club segment, the first half of the you know long segment back at the house between Daly and Arena. Melissa and Big T want to know exactly who voted for them, who on that winning team was pushing for Melissa. And ultimately, they know eventually, you know, well, Big T will be the second part of this. They've got to know. They've just got to know. And I totally understand wanting to know. 
And I, I get immediately asking someone in, in the moment, but I also think they, they should be experienced enough in the game and they should have, this is now the second or third week in a row where this is this, this is the reality they're living in within this house this is the situation they find themselves in that they need to realize it doesn't matter right now in this moment who did it doesn't matter we don't need to push we don't need to ostracize ourselves even further from folks by the few folks who we could eventually down the road maybe swing back onto our side by being so forceful so aggressive about like we need you to tell us all of your information we won't take no for an answer mariah just stonewalls them with a smile on her face and you know i think is the right strategy in that particular moment probably from mariah um but Big T and Melissa just need to give it a day or two, wait it out. And then when things are calm, if they've survived this net, you know, this elimination round, then when you're laying by the pool with Mariah or with Raven or with Zara or with whoever, then you ask them, you're like, Hey, like the next vote's coming around. And like, I don't know where my head's at. Like, where, where's yours? Like, I still don't even know who actually, you know, who I should trust. Like, could I trust this person? You were there. Like, did, were they, you know, a part of just like vote with the majority or what? Like there's just a much better approach later down the line. It's an experience and a really level-headed, calm, difficult position to take given the circumstances, but I do think it would have served them much better, but they continue with the confrontations. And that leads to the conf confronting people at the club and just straight up lying to each one of them individually, one by one of, I heard you were the ringleader. If I say, I heard you were the ringleader, will that get you to tell me the information I want to know? And they start with Berna, poor Berna, so confused in this moment at what is happening. She's like, wait a minute, what? I I, I wasn't, I just stood there in the, I, I didn't even speak uh, for once in the, in the, in the conversation that that team had, it was overwhelmingly you. And so we just said you, and she's so confused at what is going on. She brings in Mariah and Melissa then just walks away from the conversation <laughs> that she started. And by the way, she would have gotten her answers. I think Berna was ready to be like, I mean, she brings in Mariah because I think she realizes like no one believes me and now I'm being you know, lied to or attacked. So I'm going to bring in someone to back up everything I'm about to say. And I feel like Berna was about to tell Melissa everything she wanted to know. And Melissa's just like, wait a minute, I got myself into a conversation with Berna. I didn't want to do this. And she just stands up and walks away and picks her next target, which is Raven. And in my mind, Raven does absolutely everything correct and nothing wrong in this conversation. She is, you know, she is met clearly with an amped up aggressive, ready to burst Melissa. I think she could feel that in the moment. That is the energy she is being met with. And Raven is very calm and as kind as someone could be who did just take part in voting you in, in that moment of trying to be like, you know, like, well, I'm, it's not, you know, it's not personal. Like I like you. And yeah, it was like a majority thing. She even does drop the six to three. She says references numbers at one point. So like she starts to give a little bit of the info that Melissa is looking for, but then as slowly but surely as Melissa amps it up and up and up and up, Raven also amps it up, up and up and up, but is always just, you know, multiple tiers below where Melissa is of just like kind of expected of if you're Raven, like, well, like I will get a little more agitated because you, okay, I'll get a little more agitated. What, what the hell is happening here? And yeah. I just, uh, and then she walks away. She tries to walk away, which is the the best thing to do in the situation. And she's like, okay, like, 
I don't, I don't know why worry. I'm the one that's getting yelled at and why I would even yell back at you other than that you're yelling at me. So I'll just walk away. Sound good? Not to Melissa. Melissa throws the drink in her face. Uh, Raven, quick response. Got to give her props. Like, I have a drink in my hand too. Like, it takes me a split second. If you throw it on me, I'm throwing it on you. And, you know, fully running through that there should be no repercussions for that. There's no repercussions for anything that happens here, which I don't think there should have been, but it was still interesting. And we won't, we won't even have that discussion right now. But, uh, you know, this, <laughs> this is of the level where, it is probably of the level of things that have happened on other recent seasons that have maybe caused uh, at least a visit from TJ and talking to uh, some remorse, whatever, um, if not someone getting sent home. And again, I do not, this should be f- super far away from anyone getting sent home. A drink thrown is, is fine. The glass shattering in the background that at this point, are they just putting that in to make things sound more dramatic? Because if there was a glass thrown at someone, I think we would have had a different discussion. So the sound effects, we don't need them. It was compelling on its own. I'm becoming a big fan of Raven. It seems like that's the minority opinion. Maybe not in this particular instance. Maybe I think everyone's probably pretty obvious read of the situation of like Melissa's all amped up and, you know, is is in the wrong, but we don't we're not mad at her for this situation, but she is in the wrong. It's not like anyone's like, we have Raven. What a, she was such a bitch to her. She did this, this is like, no, she just happened to be the one that received Melissa's outburst when she was pushed over the edge. Um, So in this instance, I don't believe I'm in the minority of being like Raven didn't do anything wrong and held her ground. and was great. But I think overall, it feels like at least the competitors are, you know, not all again, in a group setting are against Raven one-on-one setting are into Raven. I think as far as my read on the fandom collectively, I feel like I am in the minority of like becoming a big fan of Raven. So I don't know. You let me know, DM me as always DMS are open. If you're, if you're feeling the same or different, but I feel like I keep ending up in this spot where I, I don't like someone that everyone else likes, or then I start to like someone that everyone else is not as into And while I keep ending up here, I do feel like I'm correct. Then back to the house for the nominations. And this is where we're going to talk a little more history than what actually happens here itself. Because what happens here is very boring, very straightforward. Everyone is scared. And it's the same boring strategy that we've seen for season after season now. We had all these complaints, you know, for season after season about the vacation alliance. That turned into just kind of the vet alliance on, you know, ride or dies or USA 2 or uh, world championships and was kind of, you know, the, the offspring of the vacation alliance. And it's bored everyone to death. And Olivia and Michelle in this moment to actually touch on what happens in this episode first. Olivia and Michelle won't. They won't even entertain the vote for Colleen over Big T because they, quote, don't want to get the blood on their hands. They're like, Mariah, that's a great idea, but now we're the ones that would have to do it, and we could never. Are you kidding me? We would ruffle so many feathers by voting for Colleen, and it's like, would you? Like, what? She's just, like, chilling, floating on the edge of your alliance. Uh, You know, clearly, we did speak on Colleen for 12 seconds here. Clearly, there is more interaction between her and people happening that we just aren't seeing. And so it's been funny to comment on, like, she's always just kind of in the background of the conversation at the club or in the, the bedroom, when whatever. But it, we when there's a little bit of focus put on her in this episode, they quickly have plenty of footage to go to of like, no, she's like building relationships with all these people and everyone likes her. Um, so good on her. I also like her. But she's not a core member of the Alliance. This is absurd that Michelle and Olivia are like, no, we can't do that. Uh, Not at all. So 
they're all playing scared. They're all playing boring. And the thing about this is the, the thing we maybe haven't been acknowledging as we've been bored by the Vacation Alliance and the Vet Alliance of the last, you know, six, seven season run here. The game is always and will probably forever been played this way, but it has always been played this way because it's obviously the way to play the game. It's a way to get to the end is to have the biggest alliance and never waver from it. And you and all your friends get to go to the end and you're the cool kids for that season. And everyone else has to suffer through elimination after elimination. And maybe one of them will eke out at the end and be there at the end with you. And you'll awkwardly have to act like your friends when you all cross the finish line, but you're really not. That's how the game is played. And it it, it is the way the game should be played as far as wanting to get to the end. But two crucial things have changed over time that make it more make make the feeling of it being boring the feeling of it weighing a season down much heavier than it ever used to be and those two things are this one the game is so much more focused now on the strategy being the backbone of the show the gameplay the sneakiness the strategy that is now the backbone of the show the way it is you know kind of always been the backbone of big brother or survivor now it is the backbone of the challenge it has been for some time and when that's the backbone of the show where and it's boring and straightforward and obvious then the season becomes a little more boring and straightforward and obvious versus when it's one part of the show, sure, but the, it's not the backbone. It's not what we're reliant on. Then it's fine if that's boring because it's one of the pillars, not the only pillar holding things up. And the second thing is then that goes hand in hand with it. The cast isn't as interesting or entertaining. And that's not to say they aren't interesting or entertaining and that I don't like almost all of them because I do. I think if you listen to this show, you know that I do. And I still obviously enjoy the show a great deal and love this season. This is the first episode where I've felt any of this, this particular season, but you know, War of the Worlds 2 was a super one-sided affair until the very end when it wasn't. We were just super entertained by all the personalities and the matches and some of the arguments that went down and everything that happened. Dirty 30 trilogy. Major alliances, all three of those seasons, running each one. Johnny Bananas built his entire challenge legacy off of the 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 couple early exits, where because he wasn't in that big majority, couldn't create that big majority of just his friends around, and all of his wins came on mostly seasons where he did have that big majority to bring together and kind of just power run the game with the group that was always winning. The dailies always had the power, and especially when you look all the way back. The first 15 seasons of this show were actually the worst it probably ever was as far as it just being a popularity contest and one big group having a majority and being the cool kids and just, you know, kicking everyone else to the wayside and going to finals together. It happened more so in more dramatic fashion, honestly, in the first 15 seasons than it does anything that happens now. They just also, again, it wasn't the backbone of the show at all back then. It was the show was like a side product. This was the real world, basically, but we happened to have to play the games and vote someone out at the end. Like it was not the backbone. It was barely even one of the pillars of the show in certain seasons. They had drama. They had fights. They had mess. They had life lessons in they also had the weird other element is that the friendships were so genuine and deep. And, you know, everyone felt so comfortable that the one person who became the odd person out 
it was so freaking personal that it became super compelling. Like think of a uh, Katie is a great example way back in the day. Like she was kind of in the group with all of those people, but then became the one person in the group that they're like, yeah, but you're disposable <laughs> and how compelling that ends up being. And Katie becomes, you know, this iconic figure for having to suffer through that role within the show. So the, the shows have always been like this. It's just more accentuated in our face now that the strategy is accentuated and in our face. And so when it's boring now, the whole show feels to take on that tone versus just a part of the show takes on that tone. And it's why the final point on this casting is so important. I've referenced this season all the time and why the casting is important, but I'll do it again here. Fresh Meat 2 is why that season worked so beautifully is because they casted in a very specific way to know, let's actually try to divide the house pretty even here. Let's have a clear rivalry that will define this season. Wes versus Kenny. Let's give Wes Evelyn and, you know, turns into Evelyn and Wes versus Kenny. But then let's throw in enough folks who are good at the show. Great cast members, compelling, interesting, middle of the road, alliance wise cast members. Let it divide the house up, throw the biggest threat in the whole game is a land in, but he doesn't, he doesn't play the politics. So that'll be an interesting variable. And suddenly you have a season that is compelling across every level, especially the strategic level where it's like, well, who wins the daily each week and which half of the house do they reside on? And things flipped back and forth multiple times throughout that season to get to the end and who actually ended up making it to the end. It's fantastic. And it was all because they casted with this idea in mind with how can we set up, you know, so there isn't a majority alliance. It's a really hard thing to do. In the alliance can be manufactured no matter how you cast it. People that hate each other might walk into a house and see, well, we get to the end of the game if we work together. So, you know, they can't they can't guarantee it, but uh, the casting can come into play. So we can all rail that this is boring. Two episodes from now when Melissa and Colleen are just thrown in on the next women's round, it's going to be boring. We'll, we'll say it's boring then, but we have to acknowledge it's never not been like this. It's just that we're kind of watching a different version of the show, which accentuates how much this can be boring. So then we're at the arena. Oh yeah, Big T was voted in. I, we didn't really mention that in the recap, but I think we it's understood. She's voted in with Melissa. Uh, funny bribes, notwithstanding her bribe to Ed was very good. And we'll talk about it in best moment because I really, really enjoyed that. Casey is here. And this is a perfect situation for Casey, not just the game she ended up getting to play, but I just mean being a mercenary fits Casey so well. She's an incredible competitor, yet she is probably one of the most boring cast members we have ever had. And I, again, will remind you that when I say cast member, it's very different from person because they're 100% separate things because I think Casey is actually near very near the top of the list of like cast members I'd want to be friends with um, outside of the show. She's amazing. I adore her. I love her. She's a fantastic human being. And like, I would be thrilled to get to know her and be friends with her in life as a cast member on this show. She's just going to win everything and be quiet and kind of in the background. Otherwise and it's very boring, which makes for a perfect mercenary in my mind. And also quick shout out. Uh, I, I, should say quick shout out when I don't know who I'm shouting out. I forget. It was in the YouTube comments. One of you amazing folks watching right now and about to leave a comment. Thank you to you for pointing out uh, Horacio, maybe the new Casey. <laughs> like, is that where we're headed with the Horacio storyline of him kind of not really willing to play the game? Incredible competitor. 
uh, has has romance that seems like it should be like Casey is with Nani. It seems like from the older history of Nani on the challenge, like that's an entertaining, interesting romance. And it, it turned boring and just like and lovely and beautiful. And I support couldn't support it more but boring on the show. And it's like, Horacio, with, you're with Narice now. And I, for the third episode in a row, predict you're going to kiss her and I'm wrong. And we like, can't get anything out of that. You won't play, you don't, don't want to play the spiteful game. You just want to show up and be the best at the competition part, which is fantastic. But like, yeah, is Horacio the new, the new Casey? We shall see. But she shows up why she's a perfect mercenary. She's going to show up. She's going to do some generic hype stuff, which she's fantastic at. And I believe and get, and you know, she gets herself pumped up for competition. This is the, her in an elimination is where she is at her most compelling. Cause it is where she is at her most, you know, this is, this is her arena for real. And she's just got to win a physical elimination, which she's obviously going to be very capable of doing and probably do 99% of the time. And this role was just made to best utilize someone like Casey, the Casey's of the world that are like incredible competitors, bring so much to the game from that standpoint, but lack a bit when it's, you know, there's 10 people left going into a final and we need something to happen in the house that is compelling television. And when it's just the Casey's of the world, you're not going to get that. So mercenary position, fantastic for her. She draws big T. It's super sad. I would have, it would have been so fun to see who she would have picked. I have no idea who she would have picked. I, I feel like, but based on the reaction we get from Mel, I feel like Casey might have been willing to be like, Melissa, who do you want? Like, first, I'm not going to definitely pick who you tell me to pick, but I will hear your opinion first before maybe hearing a couple other opinions of some folks up on the dais. But I would have been fascinated to see who she would have picked. Um, part of me always wants the champ to get to pick. Part of me knows that that would just be super unfair to the newer players and some of the international players that don't know any of the, like, you know, if the guys get to pick every time, like James is going in until he loses to a champion every time, you know, that sort of thing. So I know it would be unfair, but there's also a part of me that, and it would remove the whole point of voting anyone in. So it would be silly if they got to pick every time, but I'm certainly rooting for it uh, to happen more often than not. They play pole wrestle. Bad choice, bad choice by production. Uh, pole wrestle should be safe. Pole wrestle should be two people that are actually in the game playing. This should not be a champ versus competitor situation. This game is too important, too, you know, too big a fat part of the fabric of the show and too difficult to, to beat a champ. When you bring in a Casey, like, come on, like who's, I don't, I, Casey's winning versus any of the women in the house in pole wrestle. I'm sorry. That's, that's how I feel about the situation. And I just, I don't think this should have been used I think it should have been saved to last the last round, the last couple of eliminations where I assume we will eventually get back to competitor versus competitor. That's when I wanted to see this or before, not during the champs round. Big T performs super well. Please believe me when I say everything that is said in this episode is very true about it. she is a legitimately like she's just strong flat out like she she is strong and has a lot of athleticism at this point in her challenge career she has good strategy i will also say during this as well like she has clearly watched a few pole wrestles in her days and knows the basic strategy of where to try to position what to try to do and i think she would have beaten a lot of the other women if this was a competitor on competitor situation a lot of the other women in the house would have lost to Big T in this pole wrestle. All of that is true. I love Big T to death. I also think it's true that Casey gave her the second round. I think Casey wins this 2-0 if Casey's in the game, actually, um, and is not, you know, there is the mercenary role. You could tell me otherwise. I don't know. That's what I believe to be true. And it led me to thinking, 
would there was a part of me that when Casey lost the second round, I was like, I don't know, would Casey like on the slide let Big T beat her? Like, would she just do that? Would would she be like, you know, this is I don't want to lose my friend 10 grand? Like, okay, it's it's important, but it's not that important. Like, would she would would any of the champions lose on purpose? Either outwardly clearly lose on purpose or like kind of pull just to like I, you know, after the fact, kind of a wink wink, like, yeah. I, I wanted to make that look legit, but we all know what really happened. I don't think any of them will. I, I, I don't know. This is one, this is a situation where I maybe could have seen it happen because Casey's nice enough. It was a friend of hers and a beloved person like big T. So it, it had all the factors that would take for it, you know, but I think the reputation element in 10 grand, still 10 grand. It's still nice to have, but the reputation element amongst all would probably win out. Maybe Tori, Tori's really nice. Tori like really, really will put her game and legacy on uh, up, up for grabs to help out a friend or just an acquaintance even. So maybe Tori could be convinced, um, but probably not. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be interesting. TJ then says goodbye. Says, I want to see you become a champion someday. I don't think we've ever heard CJ go there with that commentary. So that's pretty awesome and uh, deserved for big T love big T going to miss having her on the show. Glad that she says, you know, not retiring again where I want to come back. I want to do this. I want to keep doing this. So hopefully we'll get to see more of her. And now it's just, uh, as we referenced before, it's going to be boring two episodes from now, Melissa and Colleen going to be voted in. It is what it is. Hopefully there'll be other dramatics that go down that make that episode not uh, boring. Maybe these people will stop playing scared and we won't uh, we'll be wrong that it'll be Melissa and Colleen down there the next time that the women are up for grabs. But I do foresee that future in our future. Now for the awards best quote, a couple nominees here. Right at the beginning of the episode, Emmanuel's revenge, sweet revenge as a response to someone saying, I'm so glad you're back was just fantastic. And I continue to, again, uh, I'm on the opposite of everyone on Spies, Lies, and Allies. I wasn't anti-Emmanuel, but I wasn't like all in on him and uh, in Emmy the way a lot of the fans were. And now here, I feel like fans are out on him and I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually interested and compelled uh, by him as a cast member. Second nominee, just trying to stay calm and struggling to hold it together from Melissa after immediately prior to that have, I think three different people in a row got to go fuck yourself. So loved that entire uh, word vomit from her. Third one, I just don't like fake ass bitches. That's all. And I don't remember if Melissa or Raven said this. One of the two of them said it. Maybe both of them said it. I forget. I think it was Raven. It might've been Melissa. Either way, it was a great quote. But the quote of the episode, I'm going to give to TJ, who leads off the arena with Big T again. Really? And just like an open question to the whole dais. Like, love that from TJ. Love that he's pointing out, like, is this really, is, I thought this would be more interesting than this when we put all these new fresh faces together, but I guess not. So TJ gets the quote of the episode. Good job, TJ. Best moment of the episode. The battle over the chain was pretty compelling. Tug of war of the chain, violent, uh, dangerous, the whole thing. Very, very interesting. Melissa versus Raven, obviously the biggest moment of the episode, probably that, that throwdown. Throw, drinks thrown in faces always are going to get you nominated obviously for this position third nominee big t bribing ed i just loved 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 it i'm just obviously ed super fan over here but uh i i think everyone would agree that moments like that are just what he brings to the table and just really fun and enjoyable and goofy and uh that's the moment of the episode for me because you thought i was going to give it to melissa versus raven and i'm not that predictable everyone so 
maybe I am predictable. I gave it to one of my favorites. Big T and Ed. And as for the episode MVP, Casey gets her honorable mention. She earned her honorable mention of the MVP. She did her job. I was entertained by her in this scenario. And again, think she works fantastic as a mercenary. J, Ed, Raven, Big T, Melissa is your top five for the MVP. Melissa's obviously bringing home that MVP title of this episode. As for the power rankings, uh, slight slight shakeup. This has been the most fun power ranking season because it's such so up in the air. I don't really have a lot to base much of this off of, and it seems to have switched week to week as much as it ever has before. We'll go women first uh, this week. Norris, Zara, Michelle, Raven, Olivia hold down the top five. I do feel like there's a pretty clear divide right now. And I, I know Zara might eventually get targeted here, but I still just think she's in such a good position as far as if she makes it to that final being in position. Norris is just sitting the prettiest anyone's maybe ever sat in a challenge house. And I'm not talking about her looks in this instance. I'm talking about her position in the game. Just unbelievable the position she is in. So they're at the top. Mariah, Berna, Colleen, Melissa, the bottom four. Again, Colleen and Melissa, they're going into the next elimination. Berna will be right behind them. Mariah is now at least slightly positioned herself more so even than Raven of maybe being outside of the group uh, dominant group. So that's why she slides in there at sixth. And that is a big, you know, she at least bounces back from where I had her at 10th last time, but otherwise uh, that list stays similar. The men's side, a bit of a shakeup. I've got Jay in first. Now he just has, seems to have a solid grip. Prediction coming up, though, that may may sway this. Emmanuel's in second, Ed's in third, Horacio's fourth. So that basically just reversed order of where I had it last week. Corey fifth, Asaf sixth, Kylan seventh, James eighth. And uh, yeah, I just think James and Kylan are, uh, as we get to the predictions here, going to be the next ones thrown in. Last week's predictions, I finally got a couple things right. I said Big T and Melissa would be back in, and that happened. I said chaining people up and running around leads to bad things. They weren't chained up, but I'm still giving myself. They were they were playing tug of war with a chain. Someone got hit in the face. It, you know, it wasn't great. So uh it still counts. Horacio kisses Norris, said it had to happen, said of course it would happen. It's like the third week in a row I've said it would happen, and it didn't happen. So yeah, we're gonna just stop uh stop with that prediction because I guess it's never gonna happen. Predictions for this week, though. Referencing the power rankings, Kylan and James were at the bottom of the power rankings because I think Kylan and James are in the arena next on the men's day. I think Brad will be the champion. I'm scrapping. I was way wrong on the order. I thought this would happen. So now I'll go individual predictions here. I think Brad is the champ that comes in next week. It's, you know, Brad or Darrell, because obviously CT is going to come last, but uh, I'm going Brad over Darrell of who comes in next week. I think there will be new romance. Yes, we see a little of this start to happen in the next week on, so it's kind of cheating, but I also am reading the tea leaves online. There's been a lot of banter between this cast. This cast is a very online cast, which is a good thing. And um, we've we've gotten a lot of references to, oh, if only I could tell the world who so-and-so slept with. If only, oh, you're talking shit to me. Well, you know I know who you slept with, so I could tell you this, that, the other. There seems to be a lot more hooking up going on in this house that we have not been seeing. And so uh, between those two bits of evidence, I'm going to predict that we get some new romantic engagements next week. And then the fourth prediction I'll make is actually a longer-term prediction because, again, CT ain't coming next week. CT will be here in what? So if next week's a men, women, men, women, men. So what, five episodes from now, we'll get CT. Jay's going to go against CT. It's happening. I know they obviously have to talk about that elimination during the daily challenge. It's too obvious of a reference to make. But then at the very end of the episode, we get the confessional with Jay saying – 
just please keep me out of there when CT comes back around and then they play CT's laugh in the background. It's very foreshadowing. I feel like they wouldn't do that if it wasn't going to be a payoff to it. I think Jay's going to go against CT and that sucks for a guy who is in a dominant position in the house, along with Norris, really, really, really sitting super pretty in this house. And uh, we'll continue to, unless he ends up getting called out by one and only CT. So that's your episode, B-Fank, episode eight in the books. We'll be back next week, hopefully on Wednesday night, assuming no more emergency vet visits for the little Bodie bear. So we'll be back. Uh, thank you as always for watching survivor fans. Tony and I will be recording hopefully Saturday evening. So look for that over the weekend. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.